Hey everybody, welcome back to The Rebel. I'm the Rebel Commander, just back from the UK, where I have been for the better part of a week. Uh, I have been attending at court with Tommy Robinson as the Court of Appeal issued their scorching repudiation of the court in Leeds that had inappropriately and illegally tried, sentenced, and convicted, and sent him off to prison in a matter of hours. I don't know if you've watched any of my stories from the ground in London. You can find them all at tommytrial.com. But, I mean, I've been reading legal cases for more than 20 years. I guess it's been 22 years since I graduated from law school. I don't know, have I, have I read a thousand cases? I can't recall a court of appeal being more scorching in their overturning of a lower court case. In fact, I can't think of anything that the judge in Leeds did that was right. The charges against Tommy were inappropriately put. They were not put in writing as is required by the criminal procedure rules in the UK. The immediate hearing, rather than letting things cool off, was specifically mentioned by the Court of Appeal as inappropriate. The fact that Tommy was sentenced as a criminal rather than as civil, uh, a civil contempt was pointed out by the judge. The obviously disproportionate sentence. I cannot think of a single way in which what was done to Tommy was appropriate. Again, Tommy would use the language stitch up Court of Appeal uses fancier phrasing, but it's the same thing. Before we jump in, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about Tommy today. I just want to give you a reminder of what we do uh, on these Super Chats, what they are. This is live. I'm coming to you live. It's 12 noon in Toronto, 5 p.m. in the UK. And as you can see to the right of the screen, comments are ticking by all the time. We've got about 500 people watching now. Uh, out of the corner of my eye, I notice if a comment is put in bright highlighting. That's called a super chat. That's something that Google YouTube invented. It, it highlights it. In fact, I saw one go by uh, already. Ezra's first irregulars. Thank you, Ezra, for supporting Tommy from the start. Well, you're welcome, and Tommy's obviously most welcome in this beautiful family. Um, so what a super chat does is just like that one, it puts it in a bright color so I can spot it out of the corner of my eye. It costs a few bucks or a few pounds, but the good news is Google actually shares that money with us. Most of our videos are demonetized by Google, so this is a, a small way to supplement what we, uh, our revenues. Uh, so I'm going to give you a report, um, some thoughts upon my return to Canada after half a week in the UK. Um, but first, let me show you a moment I was sort of, I don't know, it, it's, uh, I'll let it speak for itself. Here's the moment where I saw Tommy. He had just got out of prison. By the way, before we show this clip, the results for Tommy was announced at about 11 a.m. Tommy was not advised of this right away. He was not, he did not join the court by video connection. I don't know why that is. And he was not advised that he won until some prisoner ran by his cell saying, you're going home, bruv. Can you imagine that? So was that gossip? Was that just someone taunting him or teasing him? Well, indeed, he was let out that day, bruv. But it took him hours to be let out of prison. Why? Just grab his bag. He doesn't have a lot of stuff. Open the cell. Have him sign up a few papers. Be on his way. What, half an hour max? Why did it take hours? Do you know why it took hours? I'll tell you why it took hours. Because Tommy is in one of the most densely Muslim prisons in the United Kingdom, dominated by Muslim gangs. His cell was actually just outside the cell was the mosque, the prison mosque, five halal meals a day. The prison is a halal prison. It's run by the tenants of Islam. People who go in the prison to be protected from gangs, they join the Muslim gang. But it's not just, yeah, I'm a crip, now I'm a blood. You have to convert to Islam. So a lot of people convert to Islam in prison, not just for the ideology or for the philosophy, but to stay alive. And of course, they knew that Tommy was in the prison. Everyone knew it. And he was subject to constant threats. So to extricate him from his cell, where he had been caged like, a, like an animal for two months, and just to walk him out 
the first time he was allowed out in such a manner. They had to lock down the entire prison. Do you understand what I'm saying? Every single prisoner in HMP only had to be sent back to their cells, locked and accounted for, before Tommy could go home to his family. Think about that. The entire prison is basically a Muslim prison. The mosque is the center of the prison, politically, philosophically, criminally, whatever. And so to get Tommy out, they had to lock the whole place down as if it was on riot, because of course he would have been murdered. And he was repeatedly told in prison he would be murdered. He was actually told that his wife would be the subject of an acid attack. And they spoke her, first, her full first and last name to him just to make it seem more menacing and more planned. That's why it took hours to get Tommy out. I see some super chats are coming by. Let me quickly read them. And then I'm going to show you the clip of when I saw Tommy about, about two hours after he got home. Um, the first super chat, Joe Wilfing, $10. Thanks very much, Joe. If you have a comment or a question, feel free to make it. Super chat isn't just about the dough, but thanks for that. You can append a comment or a question to it, and I'll read that. Um, Jonathan Bryant says, glad to have Tommy free from prison. Yeah, me too. Ronnie Biggs says, have you seen the difference between how Ahed Tamimi and Tommy Robinson were treated? Yes, I have seen that, and I will uh, refer to that a little bit later. Kevin Wilkinson says, you have been amazing, Ezra, during this whole disgraceful ordeal. Tommy left uh, you last year to go on his own, but you are a true hero in what you've done. Thank you, a true friend for freedom. Well, thanks very much for that. Um, Laura Cooper says, thank you for all your help with Tommy and getting him home to his family. Our country's gone to pot. Well, I've got a lot to say about this thing, but I want to show you the moment where I first saw Tommy. I hadn't seen Tommy since what, February, March, I forget when he left us. And you know, we left on good enough terms. I mean, but it's like a breakup, right? With a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever. I mean, even if it's amicable, it's still a breakup, right? I mean, we, were, we had some emails back and forth and it was, there was nothing hostile. But when you break up with someone, you're breaking up. So I actually hadn't seen Tommy face to face. I mean, I had some emails and texts with him or whatever, but I had not actually seen him face to face in what, like five months? Take a look at when I first saw Tommy. He had just, he had got a haircut, he had a shower, he put on some clothes, he met his lovely wife and his three beautiful kids, and then he said, As, where are you? I'll come over to say hi. I just want to show you that. It is, I didn't know, I mean, I, was, I didn't want to be too much, but I wanted to show him how I felt, and he was the same way. Take a look. Do we have audio, guys? We do that again with audio? We're going to do that again with audio. Maybe we can get Hannah in here to do that. I want to show you that. Uh, let me go back to some super chats while we get that ready with the audio. Fox Abilo said, Ezra for a knighthood. <laughs> yeah, uh, what's the likelihood of that, eh? That's about as likely as Tommy uh, being uh, appointed to the House of Lords, I think. Um, Adele Rogers, £9.99, thank you very much for that. Feel free to ask a question or a comment along with your super chat. Let me know when we're ready with that video with audio, guys. Um, no attempted jail visits. Dog backwards, that's no attempted jail visits. That's a very good point. Obviously, I wanted to meet Tommy right away in jail, even before I was doing crowdfunding uh, with him, um, because of course, his first legal approach was not even to appeal. And I wanted to talk to him directly and say, Tommy, that's crazy, we've got to appeal, da, da, da. But I couldn't get in because he was only in his entire term there. I think he only had two meetings with his wife and two meetings with his lawyers. So he was in prison for, what, 10 weeks, and he was only permitted four meetings in his entire time. So obviously, I wasn't going to take up one of those slots. Can you imagine that? Just shocking. Uh, and his phone calls were very limited and he had to pay for them. Let me know when we're ready with the audio, guys. Um, Stampy Bear. Ezra, thank you for your hard work and professionalism. God bless and protect all those seeking the truth. Thank you. 
Um, Diane Oliver, Ezra, do you know why his case wasn't quashed on Wednesday? Yes, it was quashed on Wednesday. The conviction that first uh, result in Leeds was thrown out. But the underlying matter that called him into court, because the first trial was so f faulty, instead of throwing the whole thing away, that the court has decided to have a rehearing. Now, I personally think that's quite abusive. Why would they put Tommy through anything more again? I mean, for God's sakes, the man's been through enough and they want to have another hearing on that. Uh, so yes, it's, it, the conviction was quashed, but the whole matter remains alive in that Tommy must return to the old Bailey now for another hearing. And I, I talked a little bit with Tommy's lawyers and about Tommy for that. I'm just going to quickly blow through some more, not blow through, I'm going to read respectfully and with gratitude um, some more of these super chats and then I'm going to properly play for you with audio um, the video of me greeting Tommy. Um, Neil, Nigel, Ezra Legend, thanks very much. Arthur Stevens, when I watched Tommy's reaction to you after his release, I thought I'm going to send Ezra enough to buy a pint. Well, that's nice of you. Jacqueline Ann, great work, Ezra. Appreciate all what you're doing. Well, thank you. Cooled B, God bless Ezra, Tommy, and your family's greetings from Australia. Well, thank you very much. I know he's got a lot of Tommy supporters there. Keith McIntosh, proud to have contributed to the campaign. A few questions. What percent were Canadians responsible for and Americans and Aussies? And have his legal fees to date been covered or is more required? Thank you. That's a very good question. Um, I would say, uh, I mean, I haven't done a, a proper study of where the funds came from. I think about 35 to 40 percent of the funds came from the UK. About uh, the same percentage came from Canada. And then maybe 20 percent came from the rest of the world. And obviously, Tommy is well known in, Canada, in the UK, obviously. Uh, our rebel superfans are based in Canada. So that's why Canada was heavy. But uh, U.S. and Australia would be, in, uh, would be strong third and fourth. Um, I should tell you that, yes, <clears throat> in fact, on Tuesday, I am proud to say we paid the last of Tommy's legal bills. Um, and so we have shut down the account at SaveTommy.com because he's out and his legal bills are paid. Now, that's not to say we won't engage again for the rehearing. I talked to Tommy a little bit about that yesterday. I'll give you a little more info about that later on. But we are not now collecting money for Tommy's legal bills because they're paid off. And it was a great feeling to pay those off. I think it was on Tuesday we paid the last one, and then on Wednesday to have the result. It was very, very good. I'm very pleased with that. British man, five pounds, your legend, Ezra. That's very nice of you. Gabriel Swift, thank you, Ezra, for helping Tommy. It was a pleasure. It was a duty, I felt. I felt we had the skills and the knowledge to do so. All right. I think we're ready. I want to show you the moment when... I saw Tommy for the first time in March, April, May, June, July. It was like five, if I hadn't seen him in five months. I had talked to his family, of course, a fair bit. And we fought hard in the court of public opinion and in the court of law. And here's when I finally had a chance to shake the guy's hand. Take a look. Oh my God, Tommy, for you. Welcome back. Oh, I'm so thank you, Sir. Oh, from Bomber Harbor, seriously. Great to see you. No, honestly. Great to see you. I'm so glad you're free. Man, I'm just part of our set. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. How was it seeing your kids again? I've just done that, man. They're, they're out here. They're out here, so I won't keep I'm, you from no, more than a few minutes. Comfortable. Are you serious? Yeah, because um, I just said, yeah. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to the Rebel, everyone from Rebel. But, mate, I said from the start, you know when I'm in there and you first rang my wife? It's hard to relay messages and get messages back and forth, and I'm not... But I knew that the man to have on it was who? I knew the man to have on it. And now, and now they want to go again. Tommy, it touches my heart yeah. when you say that. And in a weird way, we've been closer in the last two months than we ever were before. I know. But it counted more now. I know. And I'm so happy to see you. It looks like you had a rough oh, time in there. It oh. looked like they weren't feeding you. I don't know. Um, when you hear when, when I lay it all out, it's just like... That's insane that they can get away with that. And when I hear all these lawyers, I hear barristers, I hear human, all these people talking, I think they're completely abusing everything they can abuse. So that was uh, when I met Tommy. Now we turned the camera off because we talked privately for a few minutes. His beautiful wife and kids came in. I talked to them a bit. You know, I had seen his family before when, when I would go over there and I would bring the kids little, 
little maple syrup things from Canada. What, what do you bring a British kid? I don't know. I, uh, I got him some, uh, some little maple syrups. I was sort of dumb. I don't know what's a Canadian thing. But um, so I had seen them uh, uh, before, and his wife is so lovely. I mean, let's be honest, Tommy doesn't deserve such a beautiful wife and beautiful kids. But uh, maybe in the karmic scheme of things, uh, it's God's reward to him. They're, they're a perfect family. They're just amazing. And I was, I, I mean, I, obviously I didn't spend a lot of time with the wife and kids, but it was nice to meet them in the home. And I, I, had, I had to forget that his real name, I had to remember his real name is uh, Stephen. So I would say Tommy this, Tommy that, and the kids are saying, who? <laughs> so I had to switch into saying Stephen, because um, uh, I, I mean, Tommy's his nickname, of course. Um, and boy, his kids were taking it hard. His kids were taking it hard. And so to see the pure, pure joy in the face of those kids, and I know it was especially hard on his son. I mean, obviously, sons and dads, fathers and sons, you know. And Tommy was a boxer, and Tommy was teaching his son how to box, and uh, they were close. And this was so hard on him, and to see the pure joy. I have to tell you, my eyes watered a bit, and Jenna, she said, are you crying? And I said, no. I said, no, I'm not crying. It's just a little dusty. <laughs> anyway, so that, I turned off the camera for that, because I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to obviously show what the kids look like. And um, so they were so excited to see their husband and, and their dad. And um, Tommy said, well, why don't you join us for, for dinner? And boy, I wanted to. Boy, I wanted to. But I thought, there's no bloody way that three hours after he's out of prison, I'm going to inject myself into the family reunion dinner. I wanted to. I wanted to cheer him up. I wanted to tell him things. I wanted to learn things. Obviously, I wanted to, you know, there were so many reasons, but there's no bloody way. I, I mean, that was very nice of him to offer, but there was no bloody way I was going to do that. What I did say, though, is sit down with me for 10 minutes. Let's just talk for 10 minutes and then go with your family to dinner. And then me and my cameraman got on the train and went, went back to, to London. So um, I'm going to read some more Super Chats. And let me tell the team in the in control room, get ready with the 10-minute video with audio of my interview with Tommy. I'm just going to read a few Super Chats uh, that I missed. Justin Archer. Greetings from Northern Indiana. It seems like double jeopardy is entirely legal in the UK. What a backwards legal system. Love your content, Ezra. I've been trying to make content and Rebel helped me become conservative. Well, that's very nice of you to say, Justin. Yeah, the UK, it's not as free as the United States. C-182 OPR said, when, the loss, when will the lawsuits begin? Let's hit the toffs where it hurts the most. Their bank accounts, ready to donate. Just tell me when and where. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I had a, I think I told you I had... Um, breakfast with Tommy yesterday, so I, I didn't go to his dinner on, um, on Wednesday when he was free. But when he had a good night's sleep, his first good night's sleep in his own bed, without people shouting at him, screaming at him, with air conditioning in two and a half months, and a first proper meal, we'll get into the meal thing in a bit, and just knowing he was safe and at home and with his family, so I, I had breakfast with him, and, and actually his son came, and one other person. And he looked better already, actually, just being out. And, um, and we talked a bit, because I don't, I don't want, I told Tommy, I said, I like being your buddy a lot more than I like being your boss. And we had a chuckle about it. Because, I mean, Tom, I don't want to be the, the nag, you know. When Tommy worked for us, I was always saying, don't do this, don't do that, that's too dangerous, that's get us in trouble. That's no fun. Who wants to be the guy saying, Tommy, don't, right? It, the fun is watching Tommy do. Alex, can you call up a very short clip, clip of uh, Tommy punching the migrant in Rome? I've shown you this before, you probably know. The shorter the clip, the better. It's, it's um, shortly after Tommy left us to go independent, he went to Rome and he encountered a migrant on the street and he got into some banter and the migrant said, I'll kill you. And Tommy just clocked him. Remember that? 
I w uh, okay, uh, can we get this with sound on tape, please? And um, there was a bit of banner, and down he went. Play it as B-roll. We'll get the sound if we need it. So, so you'll. Um, we got to get ready with the sound, guys. Let's assume that if there's a clip that I want it with sound. But let's just play it as B-roll right now. All right, you know, scrap. Yeah, okay, let's just, you think you're going to take my, you know what, why don't we do this again with sound? Let's just, okay, let's, let's forget about that. Um, my point is, that's fun to watch, isn't it? Tommy clocking some guy and down he, do, down he goes. It's fun to watch as a viewer, but as a, can we get Hannah in the control room here? But, but as a boss, that's no fun. It's no fun to think, okay, now is Tommy going to be arrested? Do I have to get a lawyer in Rome at midnight to bail him out of jail? Or God forbid if Tommy would be stabbed or something, do I have to find out where he is and get him health care and maybe get him back to the UK? So for the first time when I watched that clip of Tommy clocking the migrant in Rome and down he goes like a sack of potatoes, I could enjoy the violent spectacle as a spectator instead of as someone who has to say, oh shoot, now what mess are we in? I don't want to get back into nagging with Tommy. I don't want to get back into that role. All right, we're going to figure out our, our video challenges here. Let me read some more Super Chats in the meantime. Oh, so to your point, C182 OPR, I'm sure there will be lawsuits. I certainly hope there will be, and we, if there are, I think we may have a role to play in that. We, uh, I mean, I, I'm a former lawyer myself, so I understand a little bit about the law. I understand Tommy's cases having been involved with him, not only in this one, but in the Canterbury case beforehand. But I also now know a number of law firms in the United Kingdom. And I think I'm just, uh, I think because I come from the legal world myself, I think I, I, I can manage lawyers a bit. That's something that I would do with Tommy. That's not being Tommy's boss that's sort of quarterbacking some of the legal action. That is something I would be interested in. And Tommy and I had a brief chat about that. Obviously, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But in answer to your question, if there are more things to do, I think we at The Rebel would choose certain projects to be involved with with Tommy, if he wanted our help. I mean, maybe he doesn't. He seemed, I mean, he was grateful, as you saw, for what we did this time. Remember, he's going back for a rehearing of this contempt case next month. So when Tommy's back from vacation, I'll talk to him, I'll talk to his lawyers if he wants us to get involved with that. I mean, I don't need to, to fill the room anymore because Tommy himself is out, so Tommy can call the shots on a lot of things. I, he couldn't do that when he was behind bars. But um, I'm happy to, to supplement him as it sees fit. That's a long way of saying I'm interested in helping. If it's help that we can truly make a difference, uh, crowdfunding is one of the things that we can make a difference. Providing some legal strategy or at least managing the lawyers is something we can make a difference. Obviously it's different now that Tommy's out. He no longer needs like charity. You know, he's a businessman himself and he's got his own thing. But we still believe in him enough that if we can make a difference, we will. Uh, it's different now though because he's not, he's, you know, he's not incapacitated in prison. All right, well, let's try one more time here with sound for the, for the Rome clip. Go ahead. I guess not. Okay, take it down. I don't need it. I don't need it. Okay, that's fine. Um, Calvin Flowers says, Rebel Media's incredible. Freedom's voice. Thank you very much. Ben S.K. says, I hope you've seen up front the state of our MSM in the UK. They help in the stitch-up, and now they will ramp it up. Thank you for coming over. You know what, I, I did about three interviews with the BBC, and um, they were awful. The BBC did not want to talk about Tommy's victory at the Court of Appeal. They wanted to talk about anything else. 
They wanted to talk about Canterbury. They, wanted to, they were literally pulling up quotes that Tommy said seven years ago in 2011. One BBC presenter read to me some quote Tommy allegedly said in 2007. Okay, so you're quoting a guy 11 years ago. I guess he was 20, 24 at the time. Because you would rather talk about literally anything else in the world than the fact that he had a resounding vindication at the Court of Appeal that absolutely thrashed his conviction. I mean, the BBC was a caricature of itself. I did three BBC interviews in the same day. And one of them said, why does Tommy have such support? And I said, it's because unlike the rest of the media, he's not afraid to talk about Muslim rape gangs. And for the next 10 minutes, the host said, well, there's, there, you can't call them Muslim rape gangs. There's no such thing as Muslim rape gangs. And I say, you've just sort of proved my point, buddy. I mean, it was, I've never seen the media that bad. I mean, Canadian media is awful, American media is awful, but in the UK, it's, it's other than an authoritarian regime, I've never seen the media so uniform in their narrative. And, you know, I, I just was reminded today that The Independent, that's one uh, British newspaper, it's, it just received a major investment from a Saudi owner. So are you surprised? that a Saudi-controlled newspaper called The Independent, how ironic, that, um, that they're bashing Tommy Robinson. And the BBC, why would the state broadcaster be any less anti-Tommy than a court? Um, let's read some more Super Chats. From, uh, Ezra's first regulars from the UK, thanks to all who donated or protested. That's true. I concur. Um, v6. Tommy Robinson's experiences are thriller movie material. Yeah, a little bit, but you know, two months in prison, being starved and losing 40 pounds is not thrilling. I'm gonna call for the 10 minute video clip and fellas, can we have sound? Thank you. I hope your name, uh, Kamal T says, I hope your name goes down in history for leading this revolution. Thank you for your hard work and thank you to everyone who helped and donated. I agree with you, Kamal. On, it was so many people, so you're nice uh, to credit me, but of course it was hundreds and hundreds of people who together did it. Okay, I think I've gotten through the super chats. Maybe my friends can email me any ones I've missed. I am now gonna play for you, with sound, a 10 minute conversation I had with Tommy at that restaurant. So remember, Tommy just came in, we had a little hug and a handshake. He said, come to dinner. I said, no way. We turned the camera off. I kibitzed with his wife and kids a bit. I did not cry, although my eyes may have watered. And then Tommy and I sat down and I thought, okay, I got 10 minutes with him. I'm just gonna ask him questions. I'm gonna try and restrain myself from over-talking. Cause you know me, I'm a chatterbox and I always got something to say. So I should have probably listened more and talked less, but, but I, I just, you know, I genuinely wanted to say a thousand things to him. So without further ado, here's my 10 minute talk with Tommy Robinson hours after he was out of prison. Take a look. Tommy, it's good to see you. I'm very sad uh, for what you've been through, but I'm thrilled that you've been emancipated. I feel like you've been freed in so many ways. Yeah, I I'm so happy that, um, I'm happy for that. I feel weird, because I, I, I am happy that I don't feel, I don't feel happy. I can't express, I don't feel super happy. It's strange. I don't, you were I, abused. I, I don't want yeah. to be condescending, but I think what they did to you was a form of physical and psychological abuse. Yeah, so I haven't had a conversation with anyone for two and a half months. I haven't seen anyone. So, other than one hour, twice, where I, was, I saw my wife and children. For even, one hour only? Yeah. And when I saw, Murderers get more time than that. And when I saw them, it was, um, it, it wore me out for that one hour. It was a, a big thing to, I don't know, by the end of it, it's not, I don't know, it's just... I heard that in prison you had constant threats. Is that true? I had, so what's going on, I had threats every day, yeah. I, I, you know this heat that we've had here? Yeah. I couldn't have my cell windows open because they would be spat through or shit put through them. Oh my God. And so I had my windows shut all the time. And then at the same time as that, I had just threats from everywhere. And then at the same time as that, I had the police visiting my mother and my wife to tell them that there's intelligence, there's going to be acid attacks on them. Now, I don't know if, you know the, how bad it is for me? I, I don't even feel, I don't believe they're intel. I think all of this and the timing for all of it it's, so I'm on solitary confinement, and this is happening outside, which I can't deal with, but when I do get a chance to ring home, I find out the police are at my house, oh. and my wife's crying, and they're scared. And is there really intel saying that? And, and every, everything they've done, 
Do you know why they moved you to a more dangerous prison? They moved me from HMP Hole, which was a 7% Muslim population, to the most densely Muslim populated prison in the country. Did they give you a reason? No, they, 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 give no, they give no reason, but then what they, I know why they did it. Because what they then did is they used the excuse of my safety, which then when I got there, they, they put me straight on solitary confinement. They locked me straight away, which was 23 and a half hours a day, locked in a room in a blue mat. And then for 30 minutes a day, they open the, they open the door and you walk into a cage, this size, small, and you walk around the cage on your own, and then they open the door and lock it back in. Like an animal. Yeah, and the only door, and do you know, the, you know if every prisoner had that? If, if that was the sentence for prisoners, it was the fact that you know, every other prisoner's cell door opens at eight o'clock in the morning, and they're out of their cell working, having football, playing pool, and then they get locked up at six o'clock at night. And I think, I haven't done anything. But, what, but because they've put, brought me to a Muslim-run prison, they use the excuse that this is why they have to do that. And how about the food? So Muslim prisoners were cooking your food, is that right? Yeah, I had them the first day. How, how was your dinner time? So I, I didn't see my So most people in prison, you come out... Is that why you're so thin? Yeah, because I you, you didn't want to eat the food? I haven't eaten. For, you were worried they were going to poison you? Or? So every prisoner comes out, you walk into a kitchen canteen, and you see the person hand you dinner. Yeah. But it's prisoners, which yeah. are Muslims. Yeah. But I didn't even get to see, so that I could see what they've done to all the food. My dinner was brought to me on a plate and handed to me at my door. And who knows, who and it's knows like, what happened? And then I've got them telling me, how was your dinner time? Oh, yeah, so, so I know. they want to know. And it's easy to get anything smuggled. And, it's, and so, yeah, so Jeez. essentially... Uh, but then, then they, they, the, so then they, the prison knew this, and I've put in, I've got a copy of everything. I put in complaint after complaint, saying, "Look, all you need to do, because I could only spend twelve pound a week. And twelve pound a week bought me five tins of tuna. So basically, what I've ate if we, is a tin of tuna a day and fruit. That's a, that is a form of torture. Yeah, and you know what? If if they treat Guantanamo Bay prisoners better than you, yeah, tell me. But I put in asking for, I put in asking. So I put in complaints saying, "Look, I need, I need extra money so I can buy food," and they and they wouldn't let you buy then, food. In fact, I think if people hear, the, when you, it's like, and do you know what, what I, hear, I see there was some on, on the TV, some human rights expert lawyer, a human rights lawyer talking about why I should be in jail. I saw that one. And I'm sitting in jail thinking, my human rights are absolutely being abused right now. And not one person. Where's Amnesty International? Where's Reporters Without Borders? It's not, where's anyone? But, it's, but again, it's like, I know, I've just... Tell me, you just got home, you met your wife and your beautiful kids, yeah. and I and I, I don't want to keep you no. away from them at all, uh, but I just wanted to get a message from you out to the That's world. right, I was coming... So, I, one of the first people on my schedule that I wanted to see, and I'm going away Friday morning, so I'm, gl I'm so glad that you're still here, and I've got the opportunity to shake your hand and say, I'm um, thank you, and my wife, thank you, and my children, thank you. And, um, well, it's our rebel viewers. They're the ones who and, helped. Yeah, I know. I'll get emotional. They love you because you did so much great work with us. And we love that you're... We, we respect your work as an independent guy. It was our honor to help you, my friend. When I saw you taken away, I thought, we have one more mission with Tommy. I know. And, yeah, to every person, wherever you are in the world, who took the opportunity to even donate to the legal fund, share the article, share the news stories. Just, do you know the the sort of... It get, that gave me so much. Tell me about the emails, because we, we we spread the word a little bit about emails. So yeah, you get so emails you, from you've done it. You've done it on James Dellenpole most recently. How uh, because you um, get some, how many letters did you get in your two months inside? Oh, I've got six black bags this big, this wide. Were they encouraging? Oh man, it's like do you know some of the things to, to understand? What I understood from this sentence is that something huge has happened. The, 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 not just our country, but the whole world is feeling this right now. Not my cause. I've become a symbol of something that everyone has galvanised under. And I'm realising from the letters and the letters and the letters, and I'm reading them, and people who have never been politically minded, people who have not been interested in politics, people who feel so passionately and strongly about this, what's happening now, and the fact that they feel oppressed. And I, I could tell in those first few weeks but over the months that something huge is happening, something massive, like a revolution is brewing, and people feel so angry. And, and you know what, what I did is, as I read, read the letters, I'd read the letter, and, I, and I, every day from two o'clock till six o'clock, that was my time that I'd sit and read. And because I spent my day up into, like, just to have those little moments, yeah. even when my door opened at 12 o'clock, that's a moment. That's, yeah. So 
from that and um and i'd separate the letters into news stories and into things and do you know like understanding that these people have taken the time i know so many people's life st stories that they're telling me their stories of their life people are writing me sim different people from different countries writing to me every day i had an eight-year-old woman she's one of the first people that when i get back off holiday i'm going to go and visit i'm going to i want to spend a week i'm getting emotional <laughs> get emotional yeah because um yeah it's been good Tommy, um, you have a lot of fans out there, more I think than you ever have before. You also have people who are gunning for you. I'm furious to hear about what it was like in prison. I'm furious. We'll do whatever we can and just take a week with your family and don't even think about things. Um, but, oh, you know, they just couldn't let it. So, so part of what I believe they're doing or what this has been about, which is similar to what happened in 2012, which this is a you used to mentally break me I believe and they still couldn't just accept okay everything we've done was wrong and let me go they, what they've done is they're, they're going to do it again yeah. they're going to take me yeah. back to court again and they're going to try and do all of this again well, and so it's like yeah. a dark cloud always hanging over and it's like take a week take, take time with your family when you come back we can talk more privately well, yeah. about what we can do to help we want to help okay. we don't want to Manage you. No, you're, I know. You're unmanageable. I was laughing. I'm joking. I said, imagine when I was working, when we were working, and I said, I'm going to Leeds Crown Court. And for the right reason, you'd have been saying, no, you're not. No, you're not. Because you would have been wanting me oh, to end up man. in prison. But all the time, I said, look, it, yeah. Tommy, I, I've said you're the last lion. Yeah. And I mean it. And you've inspired me personally. You've inspired thousands, millions of people. And can, I just want to say one thing, because I promised people I would. Yeah, you can. And I just want to say, because they're gunning for you so hard, we all want you to be 10% more careful. And because 90% Tommy is still better than anyone else, right? No, not you. And if, if a 90% Tommy, like just not flooring it, if that keeps you out of jail or out of being stabbed, God forbid. I've just had a... Um, people I've, want me to tell you that. Do you know what I felt I watched? I sort of lived and watched. I had a lot of time to reflect, and I sort of lived and watched and saw the probably. <laughs> I'm gonna get emotional again. So. <laughs> you have a lot of people who love you. People you'll never even know. I saw. I, I, I spent. I spent the time to watch to see the effect this had on my family again. That's the unforgivable thing. I'm glad you're free. Someone. Someone. Connect with your family, my Thanks, friend. Thanks, man. Thanks. Right. And thank you, every single one of you. Thank you, Reverend Media. Well, there you have it. You know, I, um, I'm looking back on that interview, and it, I don't think it was quite a interview interview. It was I mean, really, that other than the brief section we cut out where I was saying hi to his wife and kids, that, that was just me for the first time talking to him. So I didn't just want to go straight into journalist mode. I wanted to tell him some things. And a lot of people, and I had been thinking that I wanted just to have a message with him, dial it back just 10%, that was my nag. I'm done nagging him. Um, there were some moments there where he was very emotional. I felt like I wanted to jump into the conversation because I didn't want him to, he was obviously still stressed. In fact, right at the beginning, he almost had trouble conversing in an energetic way because think about it, he was in a cage by himself for two months. He didn't talk to anyone other than two meetings with his family and two meetings with his lawyer. In what was he in prison for? For about 75 days. He had four hours of conversation in 75 days. And then he was just shouted at by Muslim prisoners, prisoners threatening him, spat upon, starved. I'm sorry, that's called psychological torture, as well as physical torture. That's what starving a man is. You know, I, I know that in the UK they have an organization by Muslim terrorists called cage prisoners. These are terrorists who were released from Guantanamo Bay. We have a Canadian named Omar Khadr who was detained in Guantanamo Bay. And I know enough about Guantanamo Bay. I've not been there myself, but I've seen the f photos and video. It's not a prison. People at Guantanamo Bay have not been convicted of crimes. They're just detained like a prisoner of war camp. I mean, in the Second World War, for example, we took tens of thousands of prisoners of Germans. They were not, you know, we didn't have a prosecutor and have a trial. You did that because they, most, the, if there was a war criminal, they were prosecuted. But just being in a foreign country's army is not a crime. You're just detained and kept off the field of battle till the end of the war. Guantanamo Bay is that 
POW camp-like detention center for terrorists. So Omar Khadr was sent to Guantanamo Bay. He was later also charged with murder and convicted. But his time at Guantanamo Bay was pleasant. He put on, an, he put on a lot of weight. The average Guantanamo Bay detainee puts on, what, about 20 pounds of weight. They get about $100 a day worth of halal food, and it's gourmet food. And I'm not saying that uh, as an exaggeration. I've seen some of the specialty food requests they have there. It, I mean, 100 bucks a day worth of food. It's, it's all halal. They have soccer fields. They have video games. They have, you know, PlayStation, Nintendo. They have uh, satellite TV. They have movies. It really is like a hotel. They have the finest medical care around. So compare that to Tommy Robinson's treatment. Tommy Robinson was treated far worse than Muslim terrorists. And I mentioned Omar Khadr because he's a Canadian case. And I've written a book about it called The Enemy Within, Terror, Lies, and the Whitewashing of Omar Khadr. So I know his case fairly well. And again, he was in Guantanamo Bay. He murdered a U.S. Army medic named Christopher Spear. I know this because he confessed it. He pled guilty to it. He admitted it. He was convicted and sentenced. Um, but he was let out early, of course. And he came to Canada and he sued the Canadian government. Huh? Guantanamo Bay is run by Americans. Why are you sued the Canadian government? Because apparently uh, there were a couple nights where his sleep was interrupted. He was kept up late, interrogated by the U.S. Uh, intelligence agencies about his terrorist knowledge. That's what you do with terrorists. You try and find out what you can from them to stop other terrorist attacks. So apparently Canadian diplomats were aware of this and didn't intervene or something. Like he was obviously not in Canadian custody at Guantanamo Bay, but nonetheless, he sued the Canadian government, and the Canadian government settled with convicted, confessed al-Qaeda terrorist and murderer, Omar Khadr, for $10.5 million and a public apology delivered to him by Justin Trudeau. So compare these two men, al-Qaeda terrorist, convicted and confessed, murderer of a U.S. Army medic, Omar Khadr, who was sleep-deprived a few nights. Hey, any new moms and dads out there sleep-deprived for what, like a month in a row? So that, that's not torture. So you kept up a couple nights. Tommy Robinson, not a terrorist, thrown in prison for 13 months, thankfully just bailed out. Solitary confinement, starved, 40 pounds lighter, psychological torture, kept in a cage for, for, 40, uh, for what, two, two months and a week. Yeah, I think Tommy Robinson has uh, more justice coming to him than he's yet received. All right, I was not paying attention to the Super Chats. Uh, can I get some, uh, an email if I've missed any Super Chats, fellas? Can you send me, send me those? Um, I just want to make sure I read them out. Um, there is one more video I want to play, and it's, um, you're going to laugh at me. But can, can I just check, did I, have I missed any Super Chats? No, okay, I haven't missed any Super Chats. Sorry if I, if I did miss yours, uh, I will come back to it, folks. Uh, try and bring it to my attention. Um, when I was over in the UK, they're still talking about the Brexit, right? Uh, just over two years ago, a majority of Brits voted to get out of the European Union uh, for reasons of sovereignty and patriotism, but also because of open borders. And uh, it was a... It was like a, uh, a warning tremor of what would hit America later that year in Donald Trump's presidency. Um, for the last two years, the British establishment has been trying to push back against Brexit and invalidate it, even though it was a democratic victory. Um, and they're still, they're still going on about it. They're still trying to delegitimize it. Just like there's, in America, they're trying to delegitimize Trump uh, 600 days into his presidency. But... Um, I came across a clip on the BBC, which is the worst network. It's, you know, it's a state broadcaster like Russia Today is, but it's not even as good as Russia Today. I mean, Russia Today, you know you're getting Vladimir Putin's view of the world, but at least it's exciting and fun and well done. Um, the BBC is so dreary. Like, you know you're getting the, the elite's point of view. It's so awful. So I'm watching BBC, and um, they have a guy on from... The British Sandwich Association. Now, first of all, if I was a Brit, 
I would immediately join the British Sandwich Association because I love sandwiches. And they have such interesting sandwiches over there. They have like apple and cheese sandwiches, you know. They have all these things I can't even pronounce. They're like chutney this and, uh, you know, all that. And I don't know, you know, it's just British sandwiches. So I would join the British Sandwich Association and they would say, you have to be a sandwich company, sir. So I would obviously incorporate because I really would want to be part of the British Sandwich Association. I'd love a membership card. I'd like, you know, if I was single, I'd say, hey, ladies, you're looking at a VIP member of the British Sandwich Association. They'd look at me and they'd say, yeah, we could tell, buddy. Um, anyways, I'm joking around. The fact that there is something called the British Sandwich Association makes me laugh. I actually Googled it because I didn't believe it was real. But here's their website, the British Sandwich and Food to Go Association member directory. Awards, I would definitely win an award for Sandwich Eater of the Year. Members only, that's the, spe that's the secret stuff. Sir, I can't tell you, a secret sandwich handshake. Uh, events, I would be at all the events. I would just, I would be like a, one of those Grateful Dead groupies, just traveling around, following the band all around the UK. Hey man, British Sandwich Association, woo, let's hear it. Crustless or crust on, what, what kind of, anyways. I didn't believe there was something called British Sandwich Association, but I checked them out and it's real. Because I didn't believe it. Because I saw this guy, the boss of the British Sandwich Association, saying, if Brexit is allowed to happen, there will be no more good sandwiches in the UK. You're probably thinking, what are you talking about? That sounds fake. Well, yeah, the British Sandwich Association sounds fake too. Watch the head of the British Sandwich Association, say, people, we cannot leave the European Union. We cannot close our borders. We cannot take back our sovereignty. We not, cannot keep our tax money because um, sandwiches won't be good anymore. Take a look. What does no deal mean for you for the sandwich industry? I don't think it means absolutely no sandwiches because our industry is very creative and uh, clever at coming up with new recipes, but certainly there would be serious problems in terms of some of the fresh ingredients we, we bring in from the European Union and also from overseas, if, particularly if we have problems at the ports and uh, we can't get ingredients through because uh, they're all fresh and uh, don't have a very long shelf life and we've got no chance to stockpiling fresh ingredients. So I think the, the answer from the sandwich industry is going to be that it's going to limit the amount of choice that consumers have if we suddenly crash out of Brexit in the way that's being talked about. You know, if I were a member of the British Sandwich Association, I would launch a coup against Jim Winship. First of all, doesn't he look like the perfect boss of the Sandwich Association? But did you hear what he said? He said, I'm not going to say there won't be absolutely no sandwiches, because that might sound a little made up. But there will be, and I'm quoting him, serious problems for sandwich lovers if Brexit goes through. Because I understand that there were no sandwiches in the United Kingdom, especially there were no good sandwiches until the European Union came along. You know, you know sandwiches are named after the Earl of Sandwich, right? A Brit. But now why am I showing you this silly sandwich clip? about the Silly Sandwich Association saying, I won't say there will be absolutely no sandwiches because we're very creative, but we're going to have some serious sandwich problems, maybe even a sandwich crisis. He didn't say that last part. I made that up, but you couldn't tell. Why am I playing that for you? Why am I laughing so hard at the British Sandwich Association? Because imagine a culture, a country, a media dialogue, a narrative, a political class, an establishment, where you seriously have the British Sandwich Association guy on your state broadcaster to whip up sandwich phobia, sandwich mania, sandwich dislocation syndrome. And, and I think most sane people would say, you're crazy. But I think enough people would say, oh my God, the state broadcaster, they wouldn't lie to me. 
interviewed the British Sandwich Association. They would never lie to me, especially about sandwiches. And if we are allowed to leave the European Union, we will have, quote, a serious problem with sandwiches. What kind of culture is that? That's a culture of passivity, of bureaucrats, of rules and people saying, oh, well, the experts said that's how it is. So that's how it is. The BBC said that's how it is. We just got to live with it. That's how it is. And that is what I hate most about the United Kingdom in 2018. Could you imagine if Jim Winship, the big cheese of the British Sandwich Association, were leading something more important than the Sandwich Association. Imagine if his tremendous executive and leadership skills and his raw charisma, not to mention his sexy beard, were deployed, let's say, to defending the United Kingdom against the Nazi menace in 1940. Well, we can't fight. I mean, Herr, Chancellor, Chancellor Hitler, Herr Hitler has uh, offered us these terms and you know, if we don't accept them, we're gonna have some serious sandwich problems. I mean, the passivity and the surrenderism and the, that's just how it is, folks. What are you gonna do? The United Kingdom of 2018 is not the United Kingdom that it once was. The spirit of free men and women does not burn as brightly today as it once did. There's a state broadcaster that dominates the narrative. If you speak out of it like Tommy does, you're punished, thrown in jail. What was so incredible to me, besides the Sandwich Association clown show, is that not a single broadcaster, not a single presenter with the BBC, were glad that Tommy was freed, were appalled by his treatment, questioned putting a journalist in jail for 13 months, not a, not a single one. All of them condemned Tommy. Amnesty International, silent. Reporters Without Borders, silent. What kind of a culture is that? A culture of passivity. A culture of sheep and lambs. That's not healthy. Some people have remarked, why did it take Canadians to come and try and fight for freedom with Tommy? There were some Brits, obviously there were. But where, where's the official people, I mean? I'm just, I'm just me. But where's the official people? Not one elected MP stood with Tommy. Gerard Batten, a, a member of the European Parliament, the leader of UKIP spoke for him. Lord Pearson of the House of Lords spoke for him. Not one MP. Not one mainstream journalist. Not one NGO. Why? What, what's happened? They're all... British Sandwich Association bosses, aren't they? Oh, if we, if we speak up for free speech for Tommy Robinson, we will have no sandwiches. You know, I'd like to stand up for freedom of speech, but you, you see, we're gonna have serious sandwich problems if we do that, and we don't want sandwich problems. Uh, I'm a little embarrassed for the United Kingdom. That's the mother country. We're here in Canada, a daughter of the Commonwealth. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. There are good people there. You know, I really enjoyed meeting grassroots Tommy Robinson supporters at the court. I felt at home with those folks. And there's some characters, although there's people from different walks of life. I felt at home with those folks. But these BBC presenters who were saying, no, 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 no. There are no Muslim rape gangs in the UK. That's racist to say that. I have been missing Super Chats. Can you send me the ones I missed by email and I'll read them? Oli Larson chipped in 200 Danish kroner. A system that let prisoners rule the prison is not a justice system. It is a shitty system. Tommy would stand up for every abused girl. You're exactly right. Um, my friends have emailed me a list of the Super Chats that I've missed. I'm going to read those right now. Do, do, do. Answers first to regulars. After chat opened all celebrations and reflections, thanks to all who helped free Tommy, and thanks to you, Ezra, for making it happen. Well, thank you very much for saying that. Um, did I read David Crump? Thanks for your effort regarding Tommy. Tommy is so important to the future of Britain and the West, and you've done a great service. Please keep up the great work and ignore the idiotic naysayers. Thanks again. Well, thanks very much. Edward G., five pounds. You've been a rock to Tommy and supporter. Thank you, Ezra. No problem. 
Uh, I read Justin Archer's. I think I'm catching up. Let me go back to the Super Chat. It's 12.54, so I'm not going to play any more clips because we don't have time because we're done at the top of the hour. Um, oh, and I have one more here. Primpal08, five bucks. Hawaii was originally called the Sandwich Islands. It just needed to be said. I didn't know that. I thought the Sandwich Islands were another thing. I obviously am not as much of a sandwich expert as my shapeliness would suggest, but I'm willing to learn. But sadly, I can't trust the damn word the British Sandwich Association has to say anymore. Imagine, imagine that. Um, Savvy Dude chipped in five bucks. Thanks very much. If you have any comment you want to add to that, feel free. Okay, I'm just going to read uh, random comments now. Uh, if there's any more Super Chats, I'll read those right away. I'm sorry if I missed a Super Chat. I've been, done my best to keep an eye. Um... Australia's ABC, this is from Colleen Walker, Australia's ABC would deny, deny, deny too, as they do hear about things too, plus create fake news. Oh, the fake news in the UK. You know, they make the American media look like quality broadcast. They make CNN look fair. Unbelievable. And, and the BBC, I'm sure of it, that they are as dominant uh, in the UK or more, as Canada is here and as the Australian Broadcasting Corporation is down under. Um, cool to be, don't believe doomsayers, Britain. Yeah, exactly. The British economy is doing better since they voted for Brexit, not worse. And you know, London's a real financial center, like London, New York, Hong Kong. Uh, now, Frankfurt is too. I've been to Frankfurt. And I, I read some of the Project Fear remain campaign say oh the all these banks and bankers which are a source of so much wealth in the uk they're going to leave london and go to frankfurt i've been to frankfurt nice people nice city i have a tough time imagining that these you know titans these masters of the universe making a million quid a year are going to leave the city of london with its theaters and restaurants and culture and life and and go to Frankfurt. How many bankers living the Vida Loca in London would say, yeah, I'm going to love to move my whole life and family to Frankfurt. I got nothing against Frankfurt. I'm just saying anyone who thought that all of these stockbrokers and bankers and wheeler dealers wouldn't move to Frankfurt because of Brexit. You've got to go to Frankfurt to know what I'm talking about. Good people. Got nothing against Frankfurters. Again, as you can see, Frankfurters, hamburgers, bologna, bologna, bologna. I'm a bit of an expert. Okay, let's read some more here. Um, Shall Lee, you can't keep Brits down. Well, they're trying, aren't they? They're trying. Um, ben O, hey Ezra, why are you a Zionist? Uh, because I believe that uh, the Bible, uh, which refers to Mount Zion as the place of the Jews, I believe that's not only theologically accurate, but I believe that it's historically, geographically, and politically accurate. I think that uh, Zion is the place of the Jews. Um, Chris T, the world is going to end. Britain won't have no sandwich. Yeah. Um, my name is Love. Ezra, stop making racist videos against the First Nation people. I don't make racist videos against First Nations people. In fact, I regard myself as a First Nations ally. Um, I simply don't believe in the racist Indian Act, which uh, in my view treats Aboriginal people as second-class citizens. Uh, in fact, it's sort of been an editorial policy of mine that whenever I do a story criticizing what I call official Indians or the Indian industry, that I always like to balance it with a hopeful, positive piece on an Aboriginal person doing something entrepreneurial or positive, because I think there's too much media coverage of Aboriginal people in Canada that is pathetic or negative or, or just bad news. Um, Periphery Pete, Ezra, do you have a nice single brother? No, no, both my brothers are married, but that's very friendly of you to say. Um, Okay, I got time for one more. Kendra Oppenheim, Ezra's working for us, not against us. Well, I don't know who the us there is. My goal is to express myself honestly 
and to tell you my views in the world. And we have rebel supporters, some of whom agree with a lot of what I have to say, some of whom don't agree with what a lot of I, what I have to say, but they just like the fact that we're pretty free in our debates because we're not controlled by a government and we don't have corporate masters. It means we're poor all the time, but I think people like the debate. And we've had some interesting characters pass through our doors since we were founded three years ago. I mean, some people are no longer with us. Tommy's independent, we're still in touch with him. Some of our other alumni, Gavin McInnes, I remain friends with him, I talk with him by email, text, or phone several times a week. Others are, are somewhat more estranged, but we have some paternity over their journalism, whether it's Faith Goldie or Lauren Southern. Um, you know, we have interesting characters here at The Rebel. And not everyone agrees with each other here at The Rebel, but I like the fact that we are a house of debate. And we tend towards freedom of speech. And we tend to lean in to controversies, not shy away from them. And that's why we have colorful characters like Tommy. I see that it is one o'clock. I'm gonna read the last super chat from Keith Jenkins with five pounds. Thank you very much. It's one o'clock, so we're gonna wrap up. Sorry for the technical glitches today, but I think you got the, the point of most of our videos. Uh, if you wanna see all of my videos on the Tommy Robinson case, go to tommytrial.com. Uh, as I said about half an hour ago, we will stay engaged with Tommy Robinson. It'll be different now because he's no longer a charity case in prison. He's out. He's a businessman in his own right. He's independent. So we'll have to figure out what our relationship is. But as I told him over breakfast yesterday, we will help him in a practical and useful way that makes a difference. We're not gonna, I'm not going to be his boss. I'm not going to be his nag. I'm not going to be his babysitter. Um, he doesn't need those things. He doesn't want those things, and I don't want to do them. But if there are things that we can do that's useful and helpful and make a difference, and that may be legal, that may be crowdfunding, we'll be there for him. He's on vacation now. I'll connect with him when he's, when he's back, and I'll tell you what our decisions are when the time is right. That's it from us here at Rebel World Headquarters in Toronto. It really is World Headquarters, isn't it? We have viewers around the world, and we even have supporters around the world. Until next time, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.